This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your In Good Company, a podcast for like-minded people who want to make smart investment decisions. I'm Maddie and I'm here with my good friend Sophie. Hello Maddie. I am so excited for today because we're actually in some very good company right now. But before we start today's episode, we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land on which we are recording today. We pay our deepest respect to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. So, so if there has been a lot of chat over the past week or so about the budget and the high-level numbers, but today we really want to try and contextualize it and talk about the areas which could affect you and your personal finances. Yes, and to do that, we are joined by the lovely Justine and Matilda from Old Boys Club Podcast. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. No worries at all. So for those who are listening who might have not uh, heard your podcast before, can you tell us a little bit about the Old Boys Club? Firstly, why haven't you listened to it? Like, okay. shame. <laughs> we'll, we'll ease people in. We'll that's true. Yeah, yeah. We want you, you to come be listen. welcome to like <laughs> yeah, oh, dip no, your toe in listen. the water. You're so welcome. <laughs> um, but to the point of what our podcast is, um, essentially we uh, like to break down politics in a sort of very uh, – uh, ground floor, beginner level way, because there's, a, I think, a lot of people who um, try and get into politics and then find that all the resources out there assume like a very high level of a base level of knowledge. And we're kind of just trying to make sure that we uh, explain things in a way that's actually digestible. Yeah, we, we have the motto that there's like no such thing as a stupid question. And, and I think that that's like underscores the podcast really yet we ask so many of we ask so many stupid questions yeah yeah so we're doing the finances at the basics 101 and you're doing the politics at the basics 101 yeah so together we're you know joint forces listen to both podcasts if anyone listens to both of us they are absolutely going for it all right so we really want to just go right back to basics before we delve too deep into this so can you just tell us really briefly what on like what is the budget why does it matter <laughs> so the budget's essentially kind of like a boring shopping list of everything that the government is going to the federal government that well there's plenty of budgets but we're talking about the federal one this week it's a shopping list of everything they're going to spend in that year so they say how much money they have coming in that year and how much they're going to be spending that year and it's not just i think it's really important to understand that it's not just this like tally of what projects are getting funded and what aren't. It's also a really big political statement. It's the government getting up and being like, hey, we promised in the election that we value all these things and now they get to put their money where their mouth is and say, 
we're going to fund these things or we're not going to fund these things. So it's, it's also a really important political moment as much as it is an economic moment. And it's very much sort of setting out like the government's vision. Like I think in America, a lot of people, because often we're more familiar with American politics, just sort of from the ubiquity of that. I think it's, it's pretty, it can be useful to think of it as in terms of like the state of the nation speech that Joe Biden just gave. Like he just is basically setting out his like principles about what he believes in, how he feels the country is going. And we do the same thing, except it's Josh Frydenberg, it's less charismatic and there's like more numbers involved. We hate talking about feelings, so we're just going to talk about numbers. I feel like Frydenberg got kind of emotional in this year's budget. Yeah. Like it was really, I don't know if it's always like that because I feel like I haven't had like paid as much attention in previous years, but he was, it was inspiring stuff. Like, <laughs> I think that he's just like so excited that someone like cares about the treasurer. <laughs> Occasionally he's like, it's my time. Yeah, the federal budget is my moment. <laughs> it is though, seriously, that's his like time to shine each year. So we're talking about Frydenberg. Which political party is he in? So Frydenberg belongs to the Liberal Party, but it's important to also note that the government is a coalition. So it's a, it's like two parties that have come together and formed government, and that is the Nationals Party and the Liberal Party. So it is the Liberal National Government, but he himself is from the Liberal Party. Yeah, so I guess one of the biggest facts that's come out of the past couple of days is that we're going to be $106 billion in deficit yes. this year. So what does that mean? I think it's important and something that like is very confusing on purpose uh, by the government, I think to a certain degree, is the difference between deficit and actual debt. Oh, this is my favourite fact and you're taking it. Go. No, 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 please. (laughs) So deficit is like essentially deficit versus surplus. That's like the year, like this specific budget, this specific year, you either like end up in deficit, which essentially means that you're spending more money than you're getting in taxes, or you end up in surplus, which means that you're getting more in in taxes than you're spending. And we haven't been in surplus for like a hot second. (laughs) (laughs) We've been in deficit for many years. Yeah, many years. And then if you're in deficit, you're essentially adding to the debt. Yes, the debt. Oh my gosh. Okay, my favorite fact about about the budget. Um, because I, because no people don't know this. Um, and I didn't know this really until I looked into it. Because a lot of numbers get thrown around at budget time, and a big number that we're hearing is, oh, it's like only one hundred and six dollars in deficit. But then this other number gets thrown around about how we're heading into one trillion dollars debt, and it's like, wait, those that's a, that's a huge difference between these two numbers. Okay, so the deficit, as Matilda put, is the amount of money we're having to like borrow this year to fund all the things we're funding. But the debt is like the cumulative total deficit that we've been in for many years. And so all these years of deficit adding up is going to hit $1 trillion by 2024. Wow, that's soon. Yeah, it's a, really so and so like if you and if you think about it, that means that the government over time has borrowed that much money right. and we're going to have to pay it back. So I guess today we wanted to kind of have a bit of a chat. Um, as we said, there's always these high level figures that people see in the news and sometimes it goes over people's heads and some people do do their research into it. But we kind of want to have a chat about the things that will affect, I guess, um, our generation or people that are listening to this podcast, how to affect them and maybe their personal finances. So there's a couple of topics we do want to specifically delve into today and get maybe your expertise on it all. That's a bold statement. Get our expertise on it all. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. So the first uh, topic, which I think a lot of people have been speaking about, is buying your first home. I mean, everyone growing up, 
uh, these days. It's a topic on everyone's lips. And you, Great Australian dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you can't buy your avocado toast and also yeah. buy a home. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just people always talking about it. So what are some of the things that you saw from the budget which might actually help um, millennials or this generation coming through buy a house? Yeah, so there's a couple of things in the budget when it comes to first home buying. There's, I think, a very big question about whether it will actually make any difference, um, which, you know, I think everyone can sort of debate until the cows come home about. So one of the big things that I think is going to affect young people the most is this extension of the first home buyer super saver scheme, which is it does fully make sense when you first hear it but like it is kind of good um which is essentially you can use your superannuation and that your super fund essentially to save for your home so you can put in like voluntarily contribute money that you're earning to your super fund and then withdraw that eventually when it's time to sort of you know buy a home, invest and have a deposit. And this is good for a number of reasons. I mean, super funds like are fairly decent when it comes to actually like, you know, interest and growing your wealth. So it's, you know, potentially better than just like a savings account. And also, you know, there's some tax benefits. There's some, you know, it's, it's lots of little things that mean that it would be more appealing for that money to be sitting in your super than just sort of out, out in the world. And just to be clear, like that system, that scheme has existed for a while. That That part is not new in this budget, but it's being extended. But you do get that tax benefit. You're only taxed 15% uh, instead of your normal whatever tax rate be, might be between 30 and whatever else um, percent wise. Um, so you are kind of saving in, in that respect. And also your superannuation is a, t- a form of investment. So in your savings account, you might be making 2% interest per year. At the moment, you're making absolutely no interest. But if you're putting that money into a superannuation account, you're getting the growth rates of investments, which can be around 7%. God, I love having finance people. Oh in the my room. gosh! And I, I, <laughs> but you're not just like wading through like oh, financial yeah. advice. Like, <laughs> I think super funds are better. <laughs> yes, but essentially we've read Barefoot Investor. <laughs> we've read the, at least the first chapter. I consolidated my super funds one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, essentially, the sort of the big news from that that scheme existed beforehand, but now it's uh, you can access up to fifty thousand dollars rather than 30,000. So it's they're just like upping it a bit. I think another point is those superannuation contributions have to be voluntary on top of what your employer yeah. already makes. Because if you're taking super out of your fund and it's not voluntary contributions, you are potentially taking away from your future investments. So it is good to note that you have to you know sign up to make those contributions. Um, so it's kind of like saving. It's just a better better maybe way of doing it. And the other reason why that this is great is because when you voluntarily contribute <laughs> your super, then you're not you're actually reducing your taxable income, so you're getting taxed less, which is another great benefit from that as well. Yeah, and I think that sort of goes some way to explaining like why there's so many like strict rules around putting money into your super. Because like you know, if you just look at it on face value, you're like, why aren't I allowed to put money into my own retirement account? And it's essentially because there's like tax benefits, and the government would have no money if yeah. everyone did this all the time. The money <laughs> sounds like Mario. <laughs> There's also other benefits that the government has brought into this budget to help people purchase homes. Um, one of them is called, I've got the official name, um, the Family Home Guarantee, which allows single parents to purchase property with a 2% deposit. Single, which single is parents. so deposit. awesome because I feel like at the moment when you're on a single income, like buying property feels really unattainable. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's only eligible for, I think, 10,000. There's only 10,000 mm. slots, which it's like, I think you can view that one of two ways, which is sort of saying like, oh no, there's only 10,000 slots. Like that's not going to help every single parent in Australia. But also like, let's remember like um, people... 
uh, buying houses with really low deposits and small amounts of money is like how we have like a global financial crisis. Yes. So um, <laughs> you've got to limit it. Like there, there is also an argument of being like, okay, if you're you're kind of setting someone up to fail if you're you know letting them do this and like maybe you know people won't be able to sort of pay off these repayments and it could actually financially really sort of like make it very difficult in the future for these families who are doing this. So that's, I think, part of the reason that this program is coming in, but it's coming in with a lot of controls. Uh, so, you know, that we don't, like, tank the economy by accident. Not another GFC. I I watched the big short. We don't want that. Yeah, uh, 10,000 isn't – it's not going to be a problem. There's, there's also another scheme where they're helping first home buyers – build property with only a 5% deposit. Yes. Um, again, also limited to 10,000 people. And when we're saying like only a 2% deposit, only a 5% deposit, essentially that's the government will guarantee you and it means that you don't have to buy this like really really expensive extra insurance on top of your loan. So it ends up being cheaper for you. That's the kind of benefit. I think a bit of a criticism of this as well has been the fact that interest rates are so low at the minute. So when people do think about buying a house, they're kind of budgeting for those really low interest rates because they're thinking about the present moment. But you also do need to be thinking about what's going to happen in the future if interest rates, which they will at some point rise. Mm. Yeah. Thinking about that in a personal level in terms of getting a mortgage and also the government thinking about that because our trillion dollar debt's going to get more expensive expensive soon yeah so not only are people you know taking out mortgages potentially going to face later debt but the government is also kind of probably going to face more interest rates on their debt we're all riding the low interest rate yeah high, but how long will it last um so no that has been a criticism of this this plan in the budget is that it is going to create a lot of economic uncertainty um not just for individual people but for in, in the economy itself, there's gonna it's gonna have a flow on effect to housing prices and to people having to banks being able to take advantage of people who've taken out big loans. Moving down the shopping list, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of hype about this budget being, uh, and I quote, female friendly budget. So I wanted to delve into sort of what this has meant a little bit more. Um, there was a lot of hype and a lot of talk around the money going towards women's economic security and safety. Can you, like, what was in the budget for that? So one of the things that the government brought in, which they kind of touted as being particularly good for women, um, I want to just put like an asterisk next to this. Like, I think that a lot of things they're like, you're for women, you're for women. But at the end of the day, it will probably benefit a lot of people. Um, and using that kind of gendered language has its own political motivation. So just everyone keep that in mind before you get too excited. But um, there was a change to superannuation contributions. And that is that they're taking away the minimum threshold of income you need to satisfy in order to receive superannuation payments on your income. So previously you had to earn $450 a month for your employer to pay you superannuation on that. The government's taking that away. And why that'll benefit women more than men is because women on the whole earn less money than men and there are more women who are in who are underemployed who have more casual or infrequent employment but there's also women we know there's a gender pay gap and that more women are paid less than their male counterparts so there are women who are just earning less money every month so for all those reasons combined we can say look this this is going to benefit more women than men but there are obviously particularly young people casual employees people working odd jobs here and there it's going to help them a lot too and the reason that we're sort of bringing in these like superannuation situations is because at the end of the day there's a huge gap in the money in your superannuation that men retire with than women which you know is a huge problem i think one of the criticisms potentially has been like the actual sort of 
group of people who are earning less than $450 a month, like it's very important that we're supporting those people. It may not be the largest kind of group. And also a lot of the superannuation difference comes from women potentially taking breaks mid-career for kids. And that doesn't really, you know, there, there might be that definitely there's some people in that group who will benefit from that, but it's not kind of as a whole really solving the core issue about why women potentially as a general rule have less superannuation when they retire. Or have less stable employment or are paid less money. Like it's not fixing the gender pay gap. It's kind of, it's going away to fix the superannuation pay gap, but that's kind of it. What about childcare? Apparently a women's issue. <laughs> <laughs> such, a, such a weird, like such an interesting characterization. We're of like such two minds about calling it a women's issue because like one, like women aren't the only people looking after kids, but also like pragmatically the things holding women back in the workforce is the price yes. of childcare. So it's like, oh, they're right, but I don't want them yes. to be. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But let's just also be clear that like it's also helping um, men and queer folk who are also looking after kids. Yes, so essentially the government's committing $1.7 billion over the next four years to kind of boost the amount of funding that they're giving to childcare. Um, Just to clarify, the amount of funding that they're giving to childcare subsidies. So how childcare subsidies work is depending on your income, the government helps pay back a bit of the money that you would put towards childcare, depending on how much money you have coming in. Yeah, essentially it's a tiered system. Like the less money you're earning, the more the government will contribute to your childcare. I think the kind of headline they want us to take away is like, you'll be paying less for childcare, but it's a very, very specific group of people that are going to be paying less for childcare. (laughs) So it's people who have more than one child in childcare at a time. The second and subsequent kids can be given up to 95% subsidies on their childcare costs. If you have at least two kids and they're both in childcare at the same time, you are eligible maybe for extra discount on your second kid. But let's be clear, if if one of your kids then, you know, hits the age of six and goes off to school, you don't get that discount on the kid that's still in childcare. Like it's very specific. Yeah, I think so notionally you could have the government pay for 95% of the childcare fees for your second and third or fourth child, um, but only while you have two or more kids in childcare, which is like genuinely just like a very small amount of time. Like if you have kids three years apart, like chances are you're not going to benefit from this. Like they both have to be kind of under five and in that range, um, which and also like 1.7 billion sounds great it is over a number of years. So we're not talking about like, and also it doesn't start till like 2022, 2023. That's the other thing, yeah, it doesn't start till next year. And the government already puts in 10 billion into childcare and that's criticised as not being enough. So we're only adding like an extra like 10 to 20%. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's um good, but not good enough. I think is like the overarching theme of this budget. And I think that's kind of where the sector's fallen on this issue. Can I just add that another criticism of this childcare scheme is that a lot of parents have to choose between whether they work that extra day, which bumps them up to a higher tax bracket and therefore reduces their amount of childcare subsidization, or work those four days, stay home that fifth day, because the amount of money they'd make on that fifth day like doesn't really compared to the amount of money they're then having to put into childcare. Yeah, you if you there's this it's almost like it's you get punished for earning more money is one way to look at it. It's really cynical like way to child look at it. Childcare helps you go back to work, but going back to work makes childcare more expensive. Yeah, so what, a big criticism is that like this system just this extra funding just adds to that 
kind of bad system and that really we should be overhauling how the government helps parents pay for childcare. Yeah, I think it's good, I guess, that it's come up in this budget a lot more than it has in, I guess, previous budgets because Mm -hmm. it is a conversation that needs to be had. Obviously, there's a lot of criticism to it, but we're starting somewhere. And I think if we can keep building on this topic so that, you know, down the track, there actually is a lot more support for helping women or men have their kids in childcare so that there can be more workforce participation for women, then I guess it's a good starting point. Oh, yeah, we're coming <laughs> We're coming off a baseline of them doing nothing. To women <laughs> yes. in the last yeah, last budget, year they so, did yeah. nothing. And so this year we're like, cool, like, yeah. Oh, it's a women's budget. We'll take what we can get. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> We are loving chatting with the girls from the Old Boys Club. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back to Keep Chatting Budget. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So another area that there was a bit of money funded towards was um, domestic violence and women being supported, escaping, I guess, abusive relationships. Uh, so what were the main points around that that area? Yeah, so there was a huge funding boost just in that area generally. It was nearly a billion dollars across, you know, the next four years, uh, which, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's for support services. I think it's an area that everyone in Australia is like pretty – you know, universal that we like need to do better on when it comes to especially the wealth side of things and financial side of things. Uh, what the really important bit was what was not in the budget rather than what was in the budget, which is that previously there was a plan put forward by the government to allow people fleeing domestic violence situations to withdraw money from their own super fund in order to escape, which like, if you think about it, like on the surface, you're like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. They can just get this extra pile of money. They can like get out of there they can do what they want if you like drill down on it it's sort of like oh so you're asking people to like deplete their own like future savings and use their own money to escape rather than just like 
providing funding for women to escape. So they did the latter. They, in this budget, as part of that like $1 billion investment into domestic violence support, they're including uh, funding for cash-in-hand grants for women who are fleeing domestic violence situations, which is a much better outcome. So that's also available. It got scrapped, and that's sort of important when you're talking about it because it's like there's no point being like we're going to fix the superannuation gap for women and then being like, but what about you just like take a lot of money out, especially when you're like a lot of young women. So, you know, that money would have been worth a lot more in 40, 50 years time. It's like, what about you deplete your own superannuation? But like, we'll like do some other little policy stuff to help it out. Like everyone's like, "Mm, that doesn't really make sense. And they're like, good point. We'll cut it. So I guess that's actually a good, good area of funding in this budget for women. So our, again, down the shopping list, what are we at now? We're at like the eggs or something. <laughs> We're at the last things Vickies. that you purchase on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to speak a little bit about the jobs because um, we've been reading a lot of the last budget. There was a lot of talk about infrastructure and manufacturing and providing jobs in these areas, which are usually male dominated. But this year, there's a lot more funding going towards, as we said, childcare and aged care. So do you think that this year's budget has more jobs in female dominated industries? And is that going to help with, I guess, economic security for women in the future? Yes. So having a lot more funding going into helping parents send their kids to childcare has a flow on effect because you have more demand for childcare. Therefore, these childcare facilities can hire more people. More people is often women. So that has a great flow on effect. Similarly, in aged care, we have the government committing more money to the welfare of residents, but also to the training of aged care workers problem though yeah so overall by the way like universities uh, are not succeeding in this budget has been bad for universities but in this one specific area which is sort of like short courses and it's specifically in the aged care sector there's more funding there's more subsidies for training up aged care workers the problem is aged care workers are underpaid to begin with and uh, you know this is about also aged care nurses as well it's slightly different training areas but they're very underpaid so it's overall being like okay we have a skills shortage in aged care and their solution has been like okay well let's pop uh you know let's make it easier to access this training and then a few people have been like I'm not sure access to training is what's been keeping people out of this sector. I think it's the fact that the wages are so low once you get in there. It doesn't really matter whether your like degree is cheaper if you're going to be over your lifetime not earning really comparable to other people in the medical field. And and that has that bigger flow on effect we were talking about earlier where women just end up earning less money than men because the industries that, that more women work in that are female dominated are just paid less. So it doesn't really fix that problem. So like it's when we're talking about jobs, like there's definitely space for jobs in aged care. And now great. It's a you know female led industry and it's going to be easier to get your degrees to become someone who can work in aged care. But have we fixed the core issue of the fact that that industry doesn't really provide this kind of financial stability for women? And I think another big point is that like, so last year, the big criticism was, of course, like all the funding was going to apprenticeships, apprenticeships by and large. It's sort of like we're talking about trades. We're talking about, you know, all those sort of male dominated industries. The biggest jobs program in this budget is still about apprenticeships it's still like that's kind of the core jobs program like for all the talk of like it's a jobs 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 budget it's it there is a big question of like 
is it going to be young women or are we sort of like talking about 22-year-old men who are like really going to get the main benefits out of this budget? And can I just also say that older women, totally forgotten about. Like nothing. Nothing. Nothing for them at all. Like, no, seriously. Like if all the money is going into apprenticeships and training, it's not helping people who've been in the industry for a long time who are suffering job loss or suffering continuous low pay. So... Yeah, I think it's. I think we shouldn't glorify that this is a, a budget that helps women in the workforce. There's so much more that could have been done. Yeah, I was watching a segment the other night and um, they were talking about the aged care and one of the ladies who works in aged care for a non-for-profit was saying that it really needs to be about the wages and attracting people into the industry, not necessarily about the training because the training's obviously there. Those people are in, can get into those jobs, but it's about attracting and retaining talent mm. and then obviously them being paid well so that they can secure them economic security in the future. Yeah, it's kind of, I think a lot of people are viewing it as just like a misunderstanding of what causes a skills shortage. Yeah. So on the whole, is this budget going to help us achieve better sort of wealth equality for everyone? Huge question. <laughs> Your faces. <laughs> I think it's a step in the right direction. Compared to last year's, yeah, done, easy. <laughs> I think last year's budget really was not helping enough diverse people. It was really only helping young men mostly. Uh, so this is definitely better. But to say that this has solved all of the like systemic entrenched problems, no way. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Band-Aid solutions here I guess the general criticism of the budget overall has been like it's kind of trying to do too many things it's trying to trying to please everyone potentially because there's a federal election maybe in the next 12 months wanna win some friends um, and you know I mean like it's hard to do but like at the end of the day a lot of the issues facing women are things where you kind of like need to burn it down and rebuild it and that's never going to happen in just one budget so it's like I'm glad you know I think the general idea has been like everyone's glad they're doing what they're doing but like please do more exactly I feel like that's exactly what I've read and listened to over the past couple of days it's like it's starting with something small and at least it's something small because we need to start growing upon it I mean last year they said that the budget was good for women because women drive on roads and there's a lot of money for roads so like <laughs> improvement <laughs> yeah we're doing better we are guys. like 200% better this time <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Matilda and Justine, for joining us today. This has been incredibly insightful and very helpful. I have definitely learned a lot today about the budget. So if someone wanted to listen to your podcast or follow along with your journey, where do they find you? Well, yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Old Boys Club Pod. On Twitter at Old Boys Club Pod. Or on Facebook. Old Boys Club Podcast Community. Yeah, please come and um, join us. We... Also, just search Old Boys Club Pod in the podcast app of your choice, please. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll find us there. No, uh, thank you so much for having us on. It's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you guys. I'm and... so glad I actually like understand superannuation now just from <laughs> hearing you explain it. I was like, mm, it seems better, but... <laughs> yeah, no, now we know why we should be putting money into our voluntary superannuation contributions. Okay, we'll voluntarily contribute. You guys are convinced okay. us. <laughs> no, thanks so much. And um, yeah. Thanks, guys. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. 
In a spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people together. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.